Hey, it's Neil. This week on Paranormally Speaking, I will be coming to you live from the green state of Vermont, discussing haunted locations, UFO sightings, Bigfoot encounters, and various other strange and otherworldly things that have taken place in the great state of Vermont. Vermont is the home of my in-laws, birthplace of my mother-in-law, and a beautiful place to visit. Uh, I come here once every year and spend about a week just going through and researching and getting a chance to talk to some of the locals and poking around myself to see what I can find. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Paranormally Speaking, coming to you live from the great state of Vermont. And now, a message from our sponsor. Good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4hems.com good. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4hims.com good. That's 4hims.com good for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com good. Family is big around here. We're family-owned, family-operated, family-managed. And that means legacy. That means dependability. That means using Granger. With over 1.5 million products and knowledgeable product experts, Granger has whatever we need. And with same day pickup and next day delivery options, they have it whenever we need it. For over 90 years, businesses like ours have trusted Granger. Because, like family, Granger's got our back. Call, clickgranger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. A Middlebury couple, preferring to remain anonymous, told the Eagle that they observed four slow-moving glowing orange globes while driving north in a car along U.S. Route 7 near the town of Pittsford. The sighting took place during the evening of September 19, 2020. The couple saw the objects at approximately 8.30 p.m. and reported the sighting to local police and 911. The Vermont State Police dispatcher in Rutland confirmed that the eagle that the alleged unidentified flying object ufos were sighted over rutland county during the evening of september 19th but could not provide specific details beyond that what the couple had reported at the time of the sighting the vermont air national guard was not flying any of its fixed wing or rotor aircraft the eagle had learned After the first sighting of the Globes, the couple turned their car around and drove southbound on Route 7 to get a better view. The Globes were flying in tandem. One of the pair said, The sky was crystal clear and the stars were visible, but these things weren't stars or planets. They moved slowly and in a distinct pattern and direction. They were not erratic and appeared to be under intelligent control, just like regular aircraft. The couple estimated the disk of each globe to be about the size of a 25-cent coin held at arm's length. Both individuals were unable to estimate the actual size and distance of the objects from their vantage point. 
from inside the car. With windows and sunroof open, they heard no sounds coming from the objects. We watched them for several minutes, the passenger said. They disappeared, blinked out, after heading to the southwest somewhere over Rutland Town. The couple said that the four objects moved east to west and flew in formation as seen through the car's windshield. The motion of the objects included brief hovering and then forward travel, they reported. They were not helicopters, they said. The couple described themselves as skeptics regarding UFOs being extraterrestrial spacecraft. Begs the question, were the UFOs Chinese lanterns? Since the couple reported the objects to police, a Pulteney resident contacted the Eagle on September 23rd and said that the UFOs were probably Chinese lanterns launched as part of a local memorial celebration. Dubby said that the attendees of the event launched 12 lanterns, four at a time, as part of the gathering. If the lanterns were seen by a Middlebury couple, they would have been visible at a distance of over 30 miles. Dubby told the Eagle that a similar UFO report with orange globes was made in August of this year in the nearby Wells, Vermont. That was likely Chinese lanterns as well. The Federal Aviation Administration is unclear about the unlicensed aircraft that may include fireworks, pyrotechnics, or sky lanterns, at least according to its Title 14 Code of Federal Regulations Part 101 ARC report. There appears to be no specific law against launching illuminated patterns, lanterns, per se, unless they pose a hazard to nearby aircraft. But the Middlebury couple told the Eagle that they were are dubious about lanterns being what they saw on September 19th. They told the Eagle on September 24th that they are familiar with Chinese lanterns used in various celebrations and said that the orange globes they saw, which were flying over Route 7, did not behave in the same erratic way. No way, they both said. Lanterns would have been way too small for us to see so far away from where they were supposed to have been launched. Similar orange globes in the sky have been reported elsewhere in Vermont. They have not been linked to floating Chinese lanterns. Now, as far as Vermont and UFOs, according to Casino.org, a website about gaming and related mathematical odds, it reveals that people are most likely to spot a UFO in Vermont over any other state in the nation. The website's editor, David Sheldon, has compiled data about the likelihood of a sighting of unidentified flying objects in each of the 50 states. Data recently compiled by Sheldon's team found Vermont to be a fertile locality for UFO reports. Bright lights, saucer-shaped objects, triangular craft, orange fireballs, or just some of the accounts and reports made by Vermonters describing the unexplained things they've seen in the sky, Sheldon reports. Vermont may have the best odds of catching a glimpse of a UFO based on population data. The odds of viewing a UFO are 205 to 1, according to Casino.org. But Wyoming comes in a close second with odds of 250 to 1. The states uh, with the least chances of UFO sightings or opportunities consist of Florida, which is 3,485 to 1, Texas, 3,000. 
395 to 1, and New York, 2,584 to 1. There's many paranormal hotspots and cool locations throughout Vermont. Uh, one, for example, would have to be the East Mountain Radar Base, which was used heavily during the Cold War. The U.S. Air Force maintained a radar base on Vermont's 3,438-foot East Mountain, named the North Concord Air Force Station. This remote facility started operating in 1956. At the height of its operations, about 175 men worked at the station. They lived in a little Quonset hut village, complete with store, bowling alley, and theater. About a mile down the road in 1961, according to military reports, a strange object appeared in the skies above East Mountain and remained visible for about 18 minutes. Given that the events involving Barry and Betty Hill happened just a short time later in New Hampshire, some assert that this was the same UFO. The base closed in 1963 and still sits abandoned to this day. Vermont has a history of Bigfoot sightings, but no mention in the FBI files. The FBI files released over 20 pages of official agency records pertaining to Bigfoot in the United States. While the FBI five files make no mention of Vermont, some like Frank Sineski of Hubbardton thinks the creature could be wandering around in the woods of Vermont. Bigfoot in Vermont, could that be true? Sineski, a self-described Bigfoot and Sasquatch researcher, said he has proof to back up his claims that Vermont is a great place for the creature to live and to hide. In September of 2010, Sineski said he caught an image of Bigfoot on a trail camera that was stationed on part of his property in Hubbardton. Bigfoot sightings in Vermont date back to the late 70s into the early 80s, if not earlier than that. Sineski said and included sightings by a professor from Castleton University and his daughter. Vermont is a prime location for Bigfoot and Sasquatch because it's so remote and has a lot of undisturbed private property, Sineski said. Places like Rutland and Hubbardton consistently have sightings due to the woods and remoteness of parts of that area, he said. Some people do believe and others don't believe, Sineski said. I, in fact, do. A conversation with the FBI, the FBI files reveal conversation between one man who pushed the agency to test the existence of Bigfoot. In August 1976, Peter C. Byrne, then the director of the Bigfoot Information Center and exhibit based in the Dallas, Oregon, wrote to the FBI asking the agency to confirm or deny if they had been testing hair samples on Bigfoot. Byrne attached to his letter two newspaper articles that state the FBI has tested hairs and suspected to they belong to Bigfoot and tests indicated that hair did not match any known creature. FBI Assistant Director Jay Cochran Jr. wrote back to Byrne saying that the tests cited in the articles never happened. In November 1976, the FBI agreed to test the hair samples Byrne had. The FBI concluded that the hair samples thought to belong to Bigfoot came from a member of a deer family origin, according to the records. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. 
These 17 terrifying places in Vermont will haunt your dreams tonight. If you are afraid of things that go bump in the night, then these places may not be for you. Vermont has a rich history of hauntings that could make even the most skeptical person think twice about dismissing these terrifying tales. After all, many others claim the stories were false, then experienced strange happenings while investigating them. If you've ever had a book fly across the room or spoken to a ghostly apparition, you may not need convincing. But for those who don't believe, here are 17 of the scariest places in Vermont that may haunt your dreams tonight. The Eddy House in Chittenden. The Eddy House was originally the home of Zephyrinah Eddy, whose three children descended from a long line of psychics. From a young age, the children named William, Horatio, and Mary were mediums and played with ghostly children, went into trances, spoke in spirits' voices, and were eventually expelled from school for levitating desks and making books fly across the room. Zephina had enough of the paranormal activity and sold his children to a traveling sideshow, where they were cruelly exploited for 14 years. The children moved back to the Eddie House after their father's death and turned the home into an inn called the Green Tavern, where they held seances for guests and conjured up spirits. Henry Steele, Olcott, went to validate the authenticity of the stories and convinced of the authenticity of Eddie's abilities, wrote a book called The People from Other Worlds, which included a description of his exploration of the Eddies, including drawing of the spirits, the grounds, and Eddie's house. Today, the Eddie house is home to the many spirits that were originally conjured at that point. Number two, the Quincy Inn at Marshland Farm. In Quincy, originally built in 1793, this historic inn was purchased by John Porter in 1845. He and his wife Jane lived there until they passed. John in 1886 and Jane in 1900. And Jane Porter's ghost is said to still reside in the inn. Witnesses have heard noises and footsteps in rooms when they are vacant and her apparition has been seen coming from the dining room into the main hallway. Additionally, her presence has been felt in the dining area and unexplained whistling has been heard in the bar area. Another spirit thought to dwell here is young Patrick Marsh, who hides guests, belongings, and returns them later. He is also blamed for tinkering with the TVs and lights. Today, the inn is still in operation. To find out more about the inn, search Google. Number three, the Vermont Police Academy in Pittsford. The Vermont Police Academy was once a state hospital for tuberculosis patients, and it is said to still be haunted by a nurse named Mary, who worked there during that era and had contracted TB herself. All of the old call buttons are still in the recruits room, and it is said that if pushed, the friendly ghost of the nurse, Mary, will pay a visit during the night. Number four, Emily's Bridge in Stowe, Vermont, which is where I'm at right now. Not at the bridge, but in Stowe. Legend has it that the Gold Brook Bridge, also known as Emily Bridge, is haunted by a ghost named Emily. There are many stories of how Emily died on the bridge. The most popular is that she was supposed to elope with a lover who was meeting her at the bridge, and when he didn't show, she hung herself from the rafters. 
Even the locals are a bit weary of this place since sightings, noises, and lights have been seen reported over the years. It says something when the locals are talking about these Vermont ghost stories, since most of the locals are very closed off about such things. Number five, Glastonbury Mountain in Glastonbury. There have been several unsolved disappearances on Glastonbury Mountain, and folklore has it that Native Americans believed it to be cursed and used it as a burial ground. All the trails abruptly stop partway up the mountain as is forbidding hikers to go any further, and the mountain is said to be eerily silent, as if birds and animals don't even venture up there. Complete silence in the woodland is highly unusual for Vermont, even without the stories. This is why the mountain is one of the scariest places in Vermont, not to mention the rash of UFO sightings that have been seen in that region. The Opera House at Enosburg Falls in Enosburg. It was constructed in 1892. The Opera House is said to be the home to a ghost named Willie, who was the son of a workman who died alone after breaking his leg in the attic. Willie is blamed for the moving of props and stealing scripts as well as the footsteps that come from the attic. Number seven is the Bowman House in Shrewsbury. Apparition of a woman believed to be Mrs. Bowman has been seen there. Legend has it that those who stand in the dark, staying at the top of the stairs, develop an intense feeling of foreboding, almost as if the spirits here don't stand for misbehaving. It is said that a visiting child who stuck out her tongue at a picture was punished when the picture flew off the wall and struck her. I can't think of many more haunted places in Vermont than that one. Norwich University and Northfield. Four halls are involved in haunting legends at Norwich University. At Alumni Hall, legend has it that there is a haunting boarding boarded up dorm room in which a student hung themselves. And a few years later, his brother was given the same room and hanged himself as well. The legend surrounding Chaplain Hall concerns a spirit who lurks by the front door and when the hall was used as a library, it would cause books to float off the shelves in both Hawkins and Ransom Halls. Students say that they have awoken to the sound of screaming and are unable to move or breathe when they hear it. And at, a, at Sabine Field, a ghostly female is said to stand guard over the gate to the football field. Number nine, Boma, Bomasine West Castleton. In the lake, West Castleton was once full of quarries and mills, with immigrants from Italy, Ireland, and Eastern Europe thriving in busy villages. But in the 1930s, West Castleton was completely abandoned and is now known as a ghost town. And not just because no one resides there, no one living, that is. There is something terrifying about these abandoned places in Vermont. Residents would travel by rowboat to their favorite pub at the other side of the lake, but one night, three friends set out and never returned to West Castleton. In the morning, their empty boat was found floating in the lake. Today, it is said that a ghostly rowboat can be seen moving across the lake, the oars not making ripples in the tranquil waters. Number 10, the University of Vermont in Burlington. Better known as UVM, it is not only the largest higher education institute in Vermont, 
It has more haunted buildings than anywhere else in the state. UVM has bought many former homes in the city and turned them into campus buildings. One such building is the counseling center that people have reported seeing there the ghost of Captain John Knapp, the house's former owner. Knapp causes havoc by knocking over buckets, slamming doors, and windows. The nearby public relations building was once owned by John E. Booth, and some think that he makes hanging sounds and banging sounds around the building and speaks when no one else is around. One of the most haunted buildings on campus is the Bitter Sweet House. Multiple people have reported seeing full-body apparitions there, and the ghost is believed to be the spirit of Margaret Smith, who lived a solitary life in the house after becoming widowed at a young age until her death there in 1961. Some have seen in detail a woman with neat hair and a long dress. Other people have claimed to see a blurry version of a woman, perhaps one of the most tragic stories on the campus, is the residence hall converse in 1920. A young medical student named Henry committed suicide there. Students have experienced lost items and unexplained movement of doors and windows. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. And now we're back. What a wonderful commercial break that was. A whole lot of nothing as usual. Number 11. The Equinox Golf Resort and Spa in Manchester. In 1769, the resort is storied to be haunted by Abraham Lincoln's wife, Mary Todd Lincoln. She visited the hotel in 1865 and has been seen as a quickly vanishing apparition, along with one of her children. If you dare, consider playing a round at the Equinox. Hartness House in Springfield. Builder James Hartness was an inventor who built a system of underground tunnels in which to work. His underground rooms included a library, workshop, lavatory, study, and lounge. Witnesses say something supernatural here causes objects to disappear and show up in another place. And electricity goes off for no reason. Perhaps Mr. Hartness is still inventing things down there. Want to see it for yourself? Check it out on Google. Number 13, Southern Vermont College. Edward Hamlin Everett was a very wealthy man, and the battle of his estate upon his death was a public and messy affair. Discord such as this can leave people upset, but parties involved usually don't stick around for long. According to years of students and staff alike doing night security, the reports of who haunts the house include Everett's second wife, who is commonly seen, Everett himself, who, well, is rarely seen, and also a person in a black hooded robe who has been the most commonly seen apparition. The most common occurrences are smoke-filled hallways, lights that turn on, off in rooms that are locked, doors and windows unlocked after being locked on a previous security round, 
and footsteps being heard all around the college when no one else is in the building. The two main haunts in this mansion are the third floor and a classroom that used to be the sleeping quarters for house staff. And it is also where a maid is said to have hung herself. There's an awful lot of people in Vermont hanging themselves. Bennington Triangle. The mountain mystery began in 1945 and lasted for five years, starting with the 74-year-old Mitty Rivers, who was very familiar with the area. When he escorted a party of four hunters into the mountain woodlands while leading the way back to their campsite, Mitty disappeared from view and vanished, leaving only one clue. After an extensive search, investigators found a single bullet beside a steam bed, but no trace of Mitty was ever found. River's disappearance was the first in a series of missing persons over the next five years. Because four of the five disappearances remain unsolved, rumors and theories are plentiful. Indian legend tells of a rock that swallows those who step on it. Some folks believe that a Bigfoot-like creature, the Bennington Monster, is responsible for the foot the mishaps. Could there be a champ of the woods, like in Lake Champlain with champ? Number 15, Marble Inn in Fairhaven. Another residence with ghostly experiences in the Marble is the Marble Mansion, which was built in 1867. After one of the inn's previous owners passed away in the tea room, Guests have reported strange phenomena. One guest awoke in the middle of the night to see a man standing at the foot of her bed wearing a gray suit. Two children were once locked in the guest room from the inside. The door would not open even after it had been unlocked with the room key. Additional ghostly happenings took place in the basement of the mansion when a repairman heard footsteps. When he looked up, he saw a young woman standing there. He asked her to leave, and she ignored him and walked into another room. Durkee followed her, insisting that she leave. When he entered the room, she was no longer there. The room was dark and empty. Would you stay in that haunted mansion? Number 16, the White House Inn in Wilmington. Allegedly haunted by the former mistress of the house, Mrs. Brown. People have reported full-body apparitions, cold spots, slamming doors, and some claim that the ghost has actually appeared and spoken to them. A few guests have been so disturbed that they left in the middle of the night to check their belongings without even a second thought. Many Vermonters have visited the spooky road trip through this state, which can be found at the Shelburne Museum. That's number 17 on the list. Footsteps in the middle of the night when security is there alone, doors opening and closing, shadows along the wall, voices, and their names being called out. What are the most haunted places in Vermont? As I discussed in this segment, Emily's Bridge in Stowe is certainly considered to be one of the most haunted places in Vermont. So beware if you venture across the spooky bridge. I myself have been there a few times. Another creepy and haunted place in Vermont to visit is Glastonbury Mountain in Glastonbury, Vermont. As I told you, there have apparently been several unsolved disappearances of hikers and wanderers on that mountain. You can visit these locations anytime. There is no call ahead required, no reservations needed. Have a great time doing it. I highly advise that you partake in that. And now a word from our sponsor. Roswell. 
UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. Every summer, my family and I spend a week in Vermont. The last three Augusts from 2020, 2019, and 2018, each one of those visits included not only uh, reconnecting with family that we only get to see once a year, but also a nice little trip to and through Lake Champlain uh, outside of Burlington, Vermont. Uh, while I was in Vermont, I visited Lake Champlain and Burlington, went to several shops looking for any merchandise pertaining to Bigfoot in Vermont or Champ and Lake Champlain, Champ that being uh, Nessie's cousin in the States, and found several decals, but no t-shirts, unfortunately. I went to a museum in Burlington. By the time we got there, they were already closed. Turns out they are the ones that carry most of the Champ merchandise in the Stowe-slash-Montpelier-slash-Burlington area. So, I went to Amazon, and just like every other bloke in America right now, I spent my money with a third party to get a shirt showing Champ at Lake Champlain. Didn't get it from Burlington, but still, it's a thought that counts, considering I did spend a lot of time there. Talked to a few people about Champ, and... Bigfoot sightings in Vermont and uh, heard a lot of interesting stories that people had relayed to me from what their grandparents had told them or friends that had seen Bigfoot or a Yeti type creature in the mountain region when it's snowing heavily uh, a lot of fun doing that now a lot of people have asked me through the years how on earth I can believe in Bigfoot and they're taken aback when I tell them that I'm seriously invested in the possibility of Bigfoot existing, that I completely believe in it. Same with uh, water monsters, all creatures of cryptozoological backgrounds, Mothman, things of that nature. And when you look at the Earth, it's over 70% water. We know more about our galaxy that surrounds us than we do about our own planet and everyday researchers and scientists and people who just happen to be at the right place at the right time are discovering new species a new type of butterfly a new type of larva a new type of monkey a new type of strange hybrid bear maybe some kind of a of a mountain lion or a type of bobcat that was thought to be extinct but is very much alive that is what keeps me believing in those things. When we live on a planet that we only know about 5% of our own ocean and it still goes deeper and deeper and we can't reach it. And a lot of the wilderness within the United States alone, not just jungle regions outside of the U.S. and in third world countries and desert regions that are untouched by man or man may have never set foot on 
And we've become so arrogant in the 21st century that we think we have it all figured out. But then you look at those possibilities, you look at that reality, the fact that a majority of our own wilderness in the United States has not been thoroughly explored. There's plenty of room for a creature type uh, such as Bigfoot to, to hide, to play hide and seek, to find a new location, to constantly move, or to completely blend in directly under our nose without us even noticing. Uh, it could be a creature with the ability to move in and out of space and time or in and out of a bridge to reality where a multiverse exists and they live in an alternate reality and they can step in and out of certain windows that only they know where they're located and they pop into our reality for just a glimpse for just a short moment and then boom they're back into their world the possibilities are endless and that is what keeps me believing in Champ at Lake Champlain or Bigfoot in the United States, Yeti throughout the world, the Skunk Ape in Florida, Grassman in Ohio, the Mothman. Uh, th those things are entirely possible. <sighs> Shows like Scooby-Doo taught us a lot that the real monsters are people, essentially. And creatures like what I talk about on my podcast, even spirits, ghosts, aliens, UFOs that house aliens, those things are entirely possible, and they're happening now, and they've happened for centuries, and it's almost as if we've reached a new age of enlightenment within the 21st century itself, because people are discussing these things openly, freely, without prejudice. Uh, hell, there's TV shows about it, radio shows, documentaries, podcasts such as my, my own podcast, people speaking openly and freely about these things. It's a great time to be alive. I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Thank you so much for listening. That's the end for this week. I still have a few days left in Vermont. So if anything else happens or I discover anything else new or otherworldly or strange or bizarre, I'll be sure to share it on the next episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, illustrator, podcaster, of course. I have a YouTube channel that is heavily visited and shared throughout the world. You can order merchandise that books I've written, of course, various other items and trinkets and paranormal um, gadgetry. Depends on what you're looking for. I'm Neil Parks. Have a great weekend. 
and see you next time.